as we first hear these words of the gospel, I think there, uh, for many of us, there's something jarring about the way that Jesus is speaking. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Not only is he saying it's important that you love me more than your mom and dad, but he's saying if you don't, you're not even worthy of me. If you love your sons and daughters more than me, you're not worthy of me. I would argue if, if we find that to be kind of off-putting or jarring, which admittedly even, yeah, is to me, then I still don't know and you still don't know how good and beautiful Jesus is. That he is truly, in every way possible, God himself, who is love himself. That he is Lord of all things, the creator of all things, that he is king of the universe, and that he is the very life of your soul. Jesus Christ is the life of your soul. He is the meaning of your life. He is the center of all of history and all of creation. He's not being mean. He's not being arrogant. No, what he's telling us is essential for our own salvation, for our life, for our joy, for our peace. When you and I put God above all things, it brings peace. If you don't want peace, go away. You're in the wrong place, right? Like, go home. <laughs> we all want peace, I hope. It's when first things become first, when what is most important becomes the most important thing, when our priority is straight, that our lives fall into order. Sin is always putting something else in the place of God, whether it's myself, my own comfort, my own security, my own plans, something. But when God takes the place of God, it's like all of creation breathes a sigh of relief because it's supposed to be that way. So Jesus is saying that you need to love him more than anything else, not for his sake, but for yours. If you love something more than Jesus, it will bring death. It brings death to you because you are made for him. You are made to house him and his life and his beauty in you. You're made for God. Do you realize how wonderful you are? Nothing short of God himself is worthy of you. Again, you are worth being in deep, intimate, perfect communion with God himself and nothing less. God is the life of your soul and Jesus is God and God is love and beauty and truth and all good flows from him. So only because of that, Jesus can say, whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever does not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. What is Jesus saying here? This is important to understand. Is he telling you that it's important that you go find ways to suffer? No. No, what is the cross? The cross does involve suffering, yes, terrible suffering. But primarily, the cross is a gift of love. When we look at the cross, it's important that we see it correctly. The cross, above all things, is Jesus giving himself totally to you out of love for you. It's a gift of self out of love. So when Jesus is saying you need to take up your cross, it means you are to give yourself as a gift of self out of love. Now that involves suffering because we are sinners. Amen? Yeah, we don't want to give our lives away as a gift of love. Yeah, sin is this inwardness. It's an aloneness. 
but we pass through the cross and it always leads to life. Jesus then starts saying things that, that frankly sound really confusing, especially if we don't get kind of the basic geography of, of what it means to be a Christian. He says, whoever receives you receives me, and whoever receives me receives the one who sent me. And we're kind of like, huh? It just feels weak. It's like, what? Right? There's something there. I think we get that there's something there. Whoever he's speaking to his disciples, his apostles, excuse me, whoever receives you receives me. And whoever receives me receives the one who sent me. For us to really understand what he's saying here, it's helpful to turn to our our second reading. St. Paul says, To you and to me, are you unaware that we who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? I think the answer is, yeah, most of us are unaware of that, right? You've been baptized into Jesus' death. What does that mean? Baptism is primarily a symbol, the water used in baptism is a symbol of drowning, of death. We don't think of it that way, right? You think of baptism and you think of life. You think of fruitfulness, when it rains, stuff grows. But the water of baptism is in some ways the water of death. Even the baptismal rite talks about these children who are to be buried in baptism, buried with Christ through the baptism of death. So, so what's going on there? Even in the scriptures, there's, there's numerous times where water brings death. You think of the flood, Noah's flood, right? It brings a rejuvenation, but it does so through death. You think of the waters of the Red Sea. Although Israel passes through unscathed, it brings death to their tormentors and their, their slave drivers, right? So, we are baptized into Jesus' death. It says, we were indeed buried with him through baptism into death. So that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might live in newness of life. So what happens when you're baptized is your old identity is in some ways put to death and you're given a new identity. What is that new identity? It is the identity of the son or the daughter of God. It's the identity of Jesus Christ. Your old self is buried in the baptism of death and you are raised up to a new way of life Because Jesus Christ is alive in you and totally identified with you. You are in him. He is in you. You are Jesus now. So your old life has passed away. And now you are something brand new. You are Jesus. He is in you and with you. You have become one thing. So St. Paul says, You too must think of yourselves as dead to sin and living for God in Christ Jesus. Your old self has been put to death by baptism. You've been raised up to this new identity and now you are in Jesus. You are in Jesus and you are alive for God. Your life has been purchased by God and now your life is ordered towards God. This is the meaning of life. If we do not do this, if we are not all in, if we do not place him above all things, it brings death. So now Jesus is alive in us. That's why he can say, whoever receives you, receives me, because you become the bearer of the presence of Jesus Christ. He said to his apostles, whoever receives you, receives me. At other places, he says, I will be in you, and I will make my home in you. So necessarily, anywhere where you go, I go. This is the fascinating thing about the gospel. The gospel is not information, right? No, the gospel is actually the living presence of God. When you hear the gospel, 
the person speaking it to you is a bearer of the life of God and you encounter God. And that's true because sometimes you hear these same words over and over and over, but then one day they come and they change you because God has come close. So Jesus says, whoever receives you receives me because I will be in you. And whoever receives me receives the one who sent me. And who sent him? Well, the Father. Jesus' job is to make the Father present to us. Our job is to make the Father and the Son present to one another. You are a God-bearer now. You hold in you the presence of God. It's like an incredible gift and opportunity. And gosh, if we don't live in it and, and let it be activated in us, gosh, what a terrible tragedy. For us to not bear the presence of God to others is the saddest thing. Saddest day of the year in the church is what? Good Friday. You walk in and you see something really, really sad. It just feels desolate. What's that? It's an empty tabernacle. It's like, no, the tabernacle is supposed to house God. And when you walk in, you see it empty. There's just like, it feels so desolate, does it not? You, you are a tabernacle. And you house God. And in fact, he's always there. So the danger is not that he's not with you, because he is with you. The danger is that we've thrown away the key and it's not a, he's not available to anyone. That somehow he's locked away and we're just doing our own thing. So Jesus makes a demand of us, and it's the same demand he makes to his disciples in every age, and that is you have to be all in or not. Either you're all in or you're all out. Either your life is surrendered to God and God is the meaning of your life or he is not, which brings death. And Jesus wants so very dearly to bring you life, to fill you with life and for you to know the joy of his life passing through you to others. You have incredible dignity and beauty and goodness far beyond what you can fathom. I promise you that. Your life and its deepest meaning are for God. You belong to him. And he belongs to you because he has given himself totally to you. He's all in. So he calls us to love us above, above all things because we need him above all things. I'll give you a moment to pray. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what you want to pray about. Um, there's this, this desire that you would know yourself in the presence of God the Father and know God the Son in you. When he looks at you, he sees his Son. Because you and Jesus are one. You've been united to him. He's in you. His home is in you. They dwell with you and in you. So if, if you want, just you can remain in that place. Just imagine God the Father looking at you, knowing that Jesus Christ is alive in you. Or if you choose, you can invite Jesus to come and live in you more fully. To say like, Jesus, I don't want to live apart from you anymore. It's miserable. I want you to be the life of my soul. Come and live in me. But let's dwell in that place and invite God to become more incarnate than ever. That his love might be here in ways that we can't imagine or even hope that he would astonish us with his loving presence.